Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter podcast. This is Tony Jones. I'm the Reverend Hunter. Joined, as always, by the James to my John, my fellow son of thunder, Brandon. <laughs> How you doing? I, I've got a I've got a name of the Bible or, uh, named after <laughs> me. That's awesome. Cut. Two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, uh, he nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder. They were brothers. Their dad's name was Zebedee, and Jesus named them the Sons of Thunder. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if one was more the leader and one was the sidekick. I have no idea. You don't, don't hear the name Zebedee a lot anymore. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, it might James be and John carried on, but Zebedee, not so much. Dog name, baby. Maybe <laughs> name your next dog Zebedee. <laughs> Kind of cool. Tri- just tri- trips off the tongue. <laughs> Brandon, how are you doing with our? It's finally winter here in the in the uh, upper Midwest or the North, as I like to call it. It's like the latest winter on record, almost. What do you think? I mean, it was nice up until I had to walk my dog this morning. That wasn't uh, oh, yeah. so nice. Negative seven. That's uh, yeah, it's brutal out there. Crosby's not getting much more than me throwing the ball to him in the backyard. I'm not really taking him on walks here. Yeah, no, it's not even safe for the dog at this point. How have you? But been? as I've always said, it's that it's that one week of like below zero in the month of January or February that it kind of. Um, acts as population control in minnesota you know yeah keeps the rip keeps the riffraff out as they say and and it keeps me out for sure because <laughs> you meet other people from other parts of the country and they say well doesn't it get really cold there in the winter and i say oh yeah there's like there's one week where it's you know just 10 below for the week oh my gosh i had a friend from uh san antonio text me yesterday he's like people are freaking out down here because it's 20 degrees how are you guys, what do you do when it's five below? And I said, just live your life. I mean, what are you going to do? There's not much you can do. We can't just pick up and leave. Right. I mean, <laughs> most th- of us can't. We're, yeah. we're kind of just stuck here. Well, and it also gives us something to brag about to the outsiders right. as well, too. <laughs> the always important thing is having bragging rights. That's what we love in Minnesota. How much yeah, snow and how cold Yeah, that's true. The Minnesota proud. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happily Minnesota proud guy. Are you going to get but out I am on gonna ice? Go, do you ice I am going to go to... What's that? What's that? Do you that? ice fish at all? Do you get out on the ice? You know, no, Brandon. That's something I don't do. I've done it a couple times uh, with no success. I did go with my buddy and friend of the podcast, Mark Norquist, the modern carnivore. Uh, a couple winters ago, we we did some dark house spearing. Okay. With no success. Um, I mean, it, w- it was an incredible experience. I loved it. We didn't actually spear a fish, but um, that is that's kind of the version of the ice fishing that I would like the dark house spearing because it's more like hunting sure. through the ice than it is like sitting there. You can like see the fish. You cut this big hole. I don't know. It's maybe like a four by three foot rectangle out of the ice, which in and of itself is a lot of work. And then you get to sit over this big thing and like look for fish swimming by, as opposed to when you're fishing in a hole, you can't really see anything. You just watch for your, you know, tip up to flip, but Hey, you know, yeah. I've always wanted to try that. The dark house spearing. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to try it. I've seen it. I've seen it done before. I've been in a dark house before, but I've never actually got to do the, the fishing part of it or the spearing. Well, let's do it. it. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Let's get Mark to bring us out. 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll text him today and, and tell him to bring us out. I am going to head out to South Dakota one last time. Cool. Uh, with my b- buddy, Larry, you know, he's, he's getting up there. I think he's 79 and, um, I get it, man. He wants to hunt every day he possibly can hunt. So they're wicked cold right now in South Dakota uh, too, as this, as this episode of the podcast comes out, but a week from now, the week of the 22nd, um, it looks like it's going to get up into the thirties, which, uh, should be just ideal. So we're going to head back out and stomp around in the snow for a couple weeks. I mean, a couple days, not a couple weeks, Jiminy Christmas, a couple days. Yeah. That should be fun. What else you got going on? Um, well, I, I launched another podcast called emerged. It's an oral history of the emerging church podcast. I mean, geez, Brandon, you're going to have to edit that. I got to focus here. Yeah, no worries. Well, I launched, I launched another podcast. That's a limited run series called emerged an oral history of the emerging church movement. Uh, any, any, any Reverend Hunter followers, uh, listeners who follow me on social media have probably seen a whole lot about that, but it's a, it's, it's a big, it was a big part of my life from like 98 to two to 2010 probably. And so, uh, and, and a lot of people's lives. So I've been working really hard on that. And then, um, I've been just prepping for the book release, honestly, Brandon, because it's coming up April 2nd, but there's where I'm in, just in that time right now where it's like trying to set up book tours, speaking gigs, um, things of that sort. So, uh, yeah, that's the kind of, kind of stuff I I'm doing. And you've been doing some talk North technical work behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, always doing new stuff in the new year. It's been pretty exciting. Switching servers, uh, designing a new website, even, you know, good times. Wow. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll look forward to that. You make sure and update us all on that. And, um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, thrilled to be starting the new year with my first guest. You and I had a fun little conversation in the last episode to launch the new year, but my first guest of the year is Julia Schrenkler. Um, she, I've, I've gotten to know through social media and just followed her entree into hunting. Um, and was so great to have her visit my living room in home studio. And you came to Brandon, which I appreciate. And, uh, because she, is the subject she and her dogs are a subject of a Franke short film that I just looked this morning and it's got like over 72,000 views on YouTube. It's incredible. It's linked in the show notes. I really encourage you to watch it. If you can't even watch it before you listen to this interview, cause it'll give you some context for the kinds of things that Julia and I talk about, but boy, I just found her to be so thoughtful about her relationship with her dogs uh her her passion for hunting uh yeah really great really great stuff she even introduced me to a new phrase the tailgate of death which i've been guilty of just like (laughs) stacking dead birds on a tailgate of a truck and putting a picture online of that um so yeah good we talked just great stuff great stuff and i i really enjoyed it so as always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks for your support. We'd love ratings and reviews. We'd love for you to share the episode, especially this one, which I think you'll love my conversation with Julia Schrenkler. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to my living room. 
thank you so much for I, having me. This is yeah. beautiful. Well, I do a lot of interviews, of course, as we all do these days, mm -hmm. through a screen, you know, yeah. digitally. No, this is nice. Dogs, snow. I'd beautiful. rather do this in mm -hmm. a heartbeat. You're you have a public radio background, so it it always blows my mind to hear that Terry Gross never sees her. They don't even use video. Did nope. you know that? No, I she, did not. Know she that. only hears her guest. Like even if they're in Philadelphia, she won't meet with them in person. She wants to like to be a full audio experience only. I can see that. Yeah. Which is a funny thing to say about listening, but she's an <laughs> she's an expert listener. I mean, she's yeah. that is. But this is nice, right? We have the immediacy of our eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that the dogs are sleeping through it. <laughs> Well, my dog's tired from uh, a weekend hunt in Iowa. He Fantastic. ran around a lot and didn't see too many pheasants, but never. Oh, yeah, there's a doggy groan in the background. Um, well, I was so taken. I mean, we've corresponded in the yes. past, and I've kind of, I've kind of follow you on social, and I've seen your different. And we have a lot of mutual friends. We do. But that short film by Frankie, just it's just breathtaking. And it'll be in the show notes and people, you know, I'm going to tell people to watch it, of course. Um, when, tell me a little bit about that shoot and then let's back up and talk about your journey into hunting. Sure. Well, I mean, it is, uh, it's a stunning, stunning film. And um, that is not because of the subject matter at all. I mean, it is truly, it's truly well, well shot and edited and um, quite frankly, this is going to sound a little corny, but I felt it was a gift, right? Like it was a gift from Franky and from Pheasants Forever and um, from the outdoors. Like I couldn't have asked for a more beautiful set of South Dakota with perfectly frosted, excellent winter shots, amazing light. Um, all of the things that we sort of love about hunting yeah. came together at least winter hunting um, and some of the challenges as well. But uh, no, Pheasants Forever um, is a partner okay. with Frankie. And okay. that's how I heard about the opportunity. And I said, yes, um, which is kind of a theme, right? Like yeah. we say yes to life and then good things come to it. Um, ultimately, it was, I do believe it was a gift from the universe because not that Ren hasn't already given so much to me. But having some of those shots and seeing some of those moments, because you know, we don't we don't watch ourselves, right? Right. Um, and I can replay that. I can replay yeah. Ren, Ren on those birds at any time. The I don't know about for you, but um, for me, I mean, it's one thing I've like done a couple stories in the Star Tribune, and Courtney's mm -hmm. photographed me hunting or whatever, but. Doing an episode of the Flush television show, mm -hmm. and because I, I leave a lot, you know, and I go to hunt, mm -hmm. and a lot of people in my life don't hunt, and they don't really get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I I'm I'm pointing at you. <laughs> I was saying yes, sir. My hands are up. You are giving witness. Yes, absolutely. I I can't tell you how many of my friends saw that, and then asked to be taken. No kidding. And and I I kind of left the challenges of the hunt. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. It's of course it's that beautiful. Um, we won't talk about the temperature or or busting through the snow. Um, 
but the it really did it took the experience beyond words mm-hmm. and and i do believe that hunting is an experience beyond words and i'm comfortable with that um it's even beyond some of the photography um it is something that's felt it's a reverberation and i think that the film did an amazing job of sort of dialing in a focus on on what that might look like for other people because to be honest the reactions that i've had from it have been less about me or the dogs and more about people seeing themselves there or seeing their relationship with their dog or seeing that it's possible to be there like i'm an adult onset hunter yeah look at what i'm doing it's a miracle. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And I certainly wouldn't have seen this for myself. I wouldn't have envisioned that 10, 12 years ago. Really? It's been that recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about that and, and we'll, we'll get back to the film cause I'm interested in it. I mean, one thing I'll just say, cause I'm thinking about it is there's that famous um, Mark Twain quote where he writes, um, Sorry, I wrote such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a shorter one. <laughs> right? Because yes. it's, and so mm-hmm. to think like to, 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 for them, for that filmmaker to tell that story in seven minutes. Yep. Is, is there's no, there's no wasted space in, in a seven minute short film. No. That's to introduce you to characters, dogs, you know, the hunting experience and this kind of thing. So, um, yeah, kudos to them. It's really. I've never been able to distill emotion the way that team did. Yeah, yeah. Even being the subject of it, yeah. I wasn't able to distill it. They did that work. In a thing like that, with multiple hunters and two guys mic'd, and Scott, the host, is always one of them mic'd, or Travis, if it's Travis's sure. episode, or Bill's, or Ron's. So Scott's mic'd. The camera always follows the hunters with mics on. Right. So the first day I didn't have a mic on. So I was kind of off camera for okay. day one, which I, to all a long answer to your question, I think it gave me some time to kind of adapt to it. Right. Get it used to. And also additional people in the field. Yeah. And also like communicating with them. I like being on camera. Oh, you do? Yes. Good for you for admitting it. No, I like it. I'm. I don't know if you're an Enneagram person. I'm an Enneagram eight. I'm like a extrovert. I'm. I like be. You know. I like being in front of people. I'm speaking at Pheasant Fest. Good for you. Because I pitched myself to Bob. You know, like I. I was like, I got a book coming out. Can I speak at your conference? What would you speak about? And it's tricky because it's like they don't really want me no religion you know like even i'm like well it's not religious it's spiritual but even that they're like uh anyways i am it's fine it's all good i'm speaking at that and i'm always pitching myself to be on camera or in in, on a stage with a microphone in in my hand so you kind of need that to be (laughs) in a ministry you have to be comfortable you really do there's there's no I had a pre- no shame, no yeah. no blame. A preaching professor, I remember, told us in seminary, any great preacher could have been a great actor. 
because it's the same. Wow. You step up in the pulpit and you're like, you know, you, you have to. I mean, probably. I was going to say, unfortunately, I think that is yeah, sometimes yeah. the case. <laughs> but you Ouch. know how like in a in a stage play, they say oh, you have to like deliver your line to the back row of the theater. Right. I was explaining this to my kids actually over the holidays because we went to see a Christmas Carol at the Guthrie. Okay. And then like two nights later, we watched Scrooged, <laughs> which is one of my all time favorite movies. Bill Murray. And I was explaining <laughs> how just like the, the subtlety of in a film when they, it's like these close up shots of Bill Murray making faces. I'm like, think about that. There's no subtlety. No. At, at, at the Guthrie. Cause there's whatever a thousand people in that room that they're trying to broadcast every line to. Anyways, there's also an exchange of energy that yeah. like, I mean, that is one thing I miss about going to movies. Like it's fun to be part of an audience. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to be part of an audience. Um, well, let me ask you about Ren. Yes. Because the story the film tells is you, your dog mm -hmm. recruited you into hunting. 110%. So, Explain how this dog came into your life. Because I think you say in the film you'd had dogs. Absolutely. You'd always had dogs. My whole life. My whole life. But not I, a hunting dog. We had a hunting breed. I had I had a Weimaraner, and um, people would ask me if I hunted her, and I'd be like, what? what? You know, like that sort of post-Wegman confusion. Um, but uh, when our dog Ripley past um she made it to 16 um the house felt like a hotel it didn't feel like a home and we weren't ready for another dog but decided to sort of go for it um my wife's cousin had a german short hair um and also ran a retriever so you know had a dog for everything kind of yeah, thing yeah. um and we really really enjoyed his dog and then we went to the horse and hunt club for a shooting day kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And that was back before their fire. And they had a dog in the clubhouse, yep. a German short hair who was basically hosting, you know, the canine host of the place. And we just adored their energy. And the next thing I knew we were looking at puppies and as any dog person can tell you, you don't just look at puppies. There's no, there's yeah. no, a glance and you're gone. Um, and we found Ren from a lovely couple uh, in Baldwin, Wisconsin. And um, when we were, when we were able to bring her home, we brought her home. We had no intention wow. of hunting her. That's where Crosby's from. Oh, Baldwin. Well, look at that. You guys yeah, are going kennels in Baldwin is where Crosby came. From. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. So like, yeah, those things happen, right? Like yeah. you, it just, yes. Um, and the timing was horrible. We had planned a trip to Alaska. I drove my VW bus up to Alaska. Yeah, what and, was that? What was that trip about? Ah, uh, you I know just, what? I'm so jealous. Saying yes to life, you can do it. Really, you can do it. I. Everyone listening can do it. Even if you think you can't, you just have to set your mind. Um, we took almost three months, two and a half months. I took a leave from work and. Okay. Uh, and just and went for it but we hadn't planned on having a dog along we had a ton of stuff um planned out for fishing and that sort of the deal and like you can't really 
leave a dog in a vehicle. Like I know that van lifers have kind of figured it out now, but at the time in 2013, they hadn't, I just, I wasn't willing to sort of give up some of those experiences. And, um, I said, well, how about we find someone, you know, we find a good border and we take her along for parts of the trip and, and we find, we find a place to border. And I just stumbled on Steve Wallering, um, out in Oregon who at the time bred and trained poodle pointers and he was willing to take her on. Um, but I mean, part of the appeal for me was that he wasn't just going to like, she wasn't just like put in a closet. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said, what, what do you want me to work on with her? And I was just like, you're the trainer. You're the expert trainer, trainer to the abilities you see. Hmm. We literally came back from, from our travels. Um, in Alaska and Canada. And he said, look what she can do. And I wish a camera would have been on me then because as a non hunter, seeing your dog come back to you with a pigeon in her mouth is a very strange experience. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. Was that okay? Just to, so you, you drove to Oregon mm -hmm. And dropped her off mm -hmm. and then went on to Alaska yep. and then back and picked her up. So yep. two months she was there. Uh, it was only it's seven weeks. Okay. Seven weeks. Yeah. And where in Oregon is he located? I don't think his kennel is active anymore. Oh, okay. uh, uh, Rosemount. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And, and um, so you didn't drop her off and say, when I come back, I want a hunting dog. Oh, heck no. No, I just wanted her to be happy. Yeah, and, okay. and she seemed to like him right off the bat, which is um, which is something that I think is important. If the if a hunting dog wants to connect with a person and please that person, they're really going. They're going to be a good team. Yeah, they're going to be a good sure. team. And she just she clicked with him right away. Mm. But yeah, I I did not. <laughs> we did hunt. I have a gun. Really? Like, really? Didn't <laughs> I didn't have a shotgun. But hunting with Ren, um, that was the first time I had picked up a shotgun in literally three decades, kind of wow. a thing. So you can imagine. Did you have mixed feelings seeing this dog bring you back a pigeon? Are you like, I mean, you're, you, you're, you're an angler, so mm -hmm. you're not like against mm -mm. eating animals that mm -mm. you've acquired through mm -hmm. fishing. Right. Um, what was that? You know, Steve said something very specific to me. He actually said it would be a small sort of sin not to hunt her mm. um, based on her abilities. And that was, that gave me pause. Um, and I sort of stood there out in his backyard <laughs> kind of looking at her and I thought, well, you know, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll see what happens. Um, and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it because I don't think people understand, but I was actually deeply afraid that I would go out hunting, that I wouldn't like it, and that I would become a vegan. Really? Not that being a vegan is bad. Be, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, some of my best friends are vegans. You <laughs> know, like, but no, in, in some ways, you know, like... Um, I knew it was going to change my relationship with food even That's before I had tried it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Even though you had 
fished. Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh, it's different. Even well, t- I, tell even, me, tell me. I mean, I think I know the difference, but like f- articulate that difference between fishing and hunting. Well, you can even articulate the difference between hunting and hunting, right? Like, so when you hold a bird in your hand, you're, you're, you're a dinosaur hunter, right? Yeah. It's still very distinct. And um, last year I, um, I, I got, of my first buck and the eyelashes thing is a thing it really is it's a moment i have it in the book re- yep it's it's a moment rule, yeah yep and um yep and i did i really you know fishing i grew up with yep. um we did catch and release as much as we did um you know filling the freezer and having our fish fries so i did you know respect but with hunting there's catch and release and there's i think there's something about i have a consistent desire to do my best ethical work out there you don't want a bad shot you don't want there's nothing worse i i still i think about the birds i didn't find pretty much every season Mm -hmm. um it it just even sometimes it just you you never wanna you never wanna dis you never wanna abuse nature right right and and that is it, it, it's it, a different feeling when it's got feathers and it's warm yeah so what was the what was the fear um, what would have had to happen for you to become a vegan after your first hunt with Ren like it, the 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 death of the animal the, mm-hmm. the you know what yeah what what was that thing that what was that threshold you had to cross for it to be like an, a part of your life that you were going to embrace think? i i think if there if i think if i had a series of of bad shots mm. or a lot of suffering i i don't i don't know if i could have continued um but i lucked out uh, Ren's first pheasant was my first pheasant. Um, we got that together. That was a moving aspect. Um, holding the warm bird in my hands was a, it, I think you're probably trying to convey that in your work, mm-hmm. but I don't think that people understand the amount of reverence that you can pull from that moment that you experience as a hunter in that moment, like as hunters and I, I use social media as a hunter who uses social media every once in a while, which is like, can we, can we give the tailgate of death a timeout? Because it doesn't, it does not communicate. Yeah. It does not communicate everything that you take from that day. That isn't, I don't go home and, and you know, put my gear up and, and do another check of the dog's eyes and ears. You know, there's always the tailgate check, but like, the, like when we get home, we do a full check and, and stuff. I don't, while I'm doing that, I'm not thinking back on the bloody limit on the tailgate. Yeah. I'm thinking about the nest I found or the, the quality of the water um, at a spot or, uh, just, you know, I don't know it, the relationship is really with the land in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're, 
your dog is the partner in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's a lot of what you'll see when the book is a lot about that. Uh, and I really think there's a, you know, there's a fork in the road for those of us who hunt. Uh, and there, it's interesting even thinking about like talking about your short film with Frankie mm-hmm. and you know, my experience of being on the flush relative to the vast majority of hunting videos, which are dudes high-fiving after they kill shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think we're in the minority, but I'd like to think it's a growing minority and that at some point, the majority of hunters are going to be reverent about the, the hunting. Or okay with communicating that. Yeah. Or, or even learning how to communicate that way. I mean, if you, if you grew up with the traditional tailgate shot, that's kind of what you'll probably do. I didn't grow up with mm-hmm. that, that experience, right? Like I didn't grow like my uncles went deer hunting and the photos I saw were, you know, laughing in the cabin or cooking yeah. in the cabin or, you know, I think one of my favorite photos of all time is my uncle Paul laying on top of the car, <laughs> you know, just like, like a model, like I'm showing off. Yeah. I'm Mr. October out here. Um, well, November, but details. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, I just, I don't think, I don't think it's a muscle that's been used. And it's also, it's also super intimate. It's kind of hard to admit, you know, like, how do you convey that success was not about getting a bird? Like, like I, I just failed at that recently. I took my dog Nixie out. She's a puppy. Well, she's less than a puppy. She's two years and she's, she's well-trained, but we, we had what I would consider an excellent day, an absolute excellent day. Um, it was Iowa. I'm not going to tell you where, <laughs> um, but it was Iowa and yeah, it was, you know, seven hens to every yeah. rooster. Yeah. Um, but she did such great dog work yeah. and we actually communicated and that doesn't, that might seem weird, but like I got home and I was so proud and so pleased yeah. and so filled from the day. Then how do you reflect that? How do you, I, it's something I need to work on and it's something that I hope that um, seeing examples like yours um, I'm interested in reading your book. I see like finding ways to say that, yeah. finding ways to share that um, without feeling too vulnerable. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a vulnerable thing. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I was, I went on a, there was like a BHA public hunt day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, last in December at some point. Uh, and I went on it and it was not a very successful hunt day, but, um, you mean it wasn't yeah. a we didn't, harvest We didn't day. bag a bunch of birds, but this, is, this was a great success for me and something that I'm going to, like, that I will remember. Mm-hmm. Is at the end, we're at some bar in Painesville and everyone's in blaze orange and, you know, we're talking about this or that. And the guy who had hunted next to me most of the day, um, who's on the BHA Minnesota chapter board and great guy, but doesn't have a dog. Okay. And he said, I thought it was incredible how 
Crosby like turned around and looked at you like every 10 or 15 seconds while you guys were, while we were hunting. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, I take that for granted. Right. That my dogs constantly, and I think it's maybe different with pointers, but a flusher, he's, he just works like this dog works like 20 yards in front of me all the time. Just quarters, 20 yards. I didn't train that. That's breeding. Way to go. And yeah, that's just natural or whatever. But he's always looking at me, making eye contact with me. And I think if I were to say that to somebody else, like my dog looks at me a lot while we're hunting, they'd be like, okay, whatever. (laughs) To have another hunter notice that and say it to me, Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, that is like the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. And it's true. It's It's truly appreciation. I mean, it is fun to see them work. It's, I love watching a pointer skid to a stop and just lock up. Right. And that's what people like to see, but noticing that, noticing the, the interactions, you're constantly communicating with your dog. Yeah. It's body language. It's, you know, even, even when, Ren would do what I call her hundred yard dash, where she just gonna be like, "Are we hunting together, or are you on your? Did you choose your own adventure? Is there a side quest I don't know about?" And you know, she'd always come back. And it's, I think it's interesting too for people who don't hunt to see. You know, it's people don't like to ascribe emotions or judgment from dogs, but you know what? You've never seen Ren look at me after I've missed the third shot. I know. You've never seen her literally stare at me like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I wonder like, can Crosby tell the difference between a rooster and a hen or like when a bird flushes and there's six guns and none of them go off? Does Crosby know like, oh, I guess they can't shoot that one. No, I don't think he knows that. I think he's just like, it smells like a pheasant. I mean, somebody's mm-hmm. going to breed a dog who can smell the difference between a rooster and a hen. And that dog breeder is going to be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, okay, I want to I go to like, this isn't really going to be the heart of what we talk about, but I'm interested tactically in this. Mm-hmm. My experience of hunting pheasants, I think it's different with grouse Mm -hmm. and it's probably different with chuckers and, you know, other, other game birds. Pheasants like to run. So I hunt with a lot. I know curse them as a pointer owner. You say curse them because I hunt with mainly hunters who use pointers. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've got, we've got the, in the main crew, we've got Crosby and we got a Springer. Okay. And the other dogs are Vislas mm-hmm. and Adroktar. Beautiful. Beautiful dogs. But they point a lot in mm-hmm. South Dakota. And then we get there and there ain't no bird. Right. They're pointing where the bird used to be. They're doing their job. Right. Mm-hmm. But I just sometimes wonder if it's frustrating as a pointer owner to hunt pheasants. I've This is what's so funny to me because... Then I see the shows of the guys grouse hunting, you know, Bill mm-hmm. Shirk on the flush. Gr- and they're walking around in the woods with their guns broken open over their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, well, you hunt with a flusher. You're, you gotta be like, <laughs> you gotta be ready at all times on your toes. Cause 
I mean, he flushes a grouse. If he if he smells a grouse, he's flushing that grouse. He's not right. like holding it down. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, reflect on that for me a little bit on like the pointer. Is it different species of birds? Is it, are there different ways you hunt having a pointer? I know there are having a flusher. Yeah. The, you know, when I said curse them, it's, it really is, you have to, you have to learn how to, how to work them and, and work with the dogs in them. I, I have experienced those breakthroughs, Mm -hmm. you know, where Ren actually did run down the corn row, you know, and then turn around and basically pin the rooster between us. Okay. And that's, that is no minor miracle, right? That's incredible. Like that is incredible. It has not happened every time. Yeah. Um, Nixie, you know, having my young pup on runners in willows that, I had an absolute nightmare day with it oh. because it's not good for her either. It's not good. It, it, like it doesn't, it doesn't reinforce the things I'm working on with her. Right. Um, but in general, I would say, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, and that's the thing to learn with the dog too, because it isn't always the same. Yeah. The way I hunt with Ren, like learning to hunt with Nixie has been very different experience. Ren taught me how to hunt. And Nixie's teaching me how to hunt with her in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's discerning the differences is is something. Um, that said, I mean, I don't know about you or your dog, but my dogs have favorites, right? Like Nixie on Sharptail. I think if Nixie could cognitively vote on what we were going to hunt, it would be Sharp tail first, and then sharp tail second, and then sharp tail third, and then yeah. whatever yeah. we can hunt. Yeah. Um. And Ren has an absolute sweet tooth for quail, and oh. I, like she loves grouse hunting. She can't really do it anymore physically. Mm-hmm. Um. But if you would have put Ren in a quail situation and planted twenty pheasants in that field, she'd be like, yep, there's a pheasant. I'm pretty sure there's quail here and I'm going to find them. That's funny. You know, it's, um, so it's definitely, it's a learning curve for the humans too. Yeah. Um, but I love to, I love when people tell me of their breakthroughs with dogs. Like, did you train Nixie yourself or use a trainer? I am training her, but I have the world's best help. Like, I'm sorry. Like I can barely say I'm training her without joking. Um, uh, John Zeman uh, is a friend, and he's actually how I got Nixie. I I wouldn't have had her um, if he hadn't told me about that litter. And he he's just and he's taken her for a couple of weeks here and there to to help okay. us out during some personal stuff. Um, and she adores him, and she comes back home <laughs> with skills that that um. Only he could impart, I think. Mm, cool. But but I think training her or being part of a team that trains her has taught me a lot. Yeah, yeah. And what about uh, overlapping the dogs? Like, uh, what what's your thought on that? Because I did that mm-hmm. not with my last dog, but then with Crosby and his predecessor, Albert. They actually hunted together for like a season and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, th- some people say, love it, always overlap your dog. It makes mm-hmm. the old dog 
get get a little you know spry and get get they it gives them some youth mm-hmm. but other people are like no it makes the old dog feel like they're getting put out to pasture or something like that i i think any hunter in that position needs definitely needs to determine it for themselves i heard both things um i took them out together only a couple of times really? and what i found was first of all nixie just followed ren Ren is really good at finding birds. Um, so she wasn't looking. She was oh, just playing. And then, sure, you know, like, sure. hey, Ren's got something over here. I think I'll go to, I think I'll go take care of that. Um, and then on the flip side, Ren was trying to keep up with Nixie and she couldn't physically. Mm. And she also wasn't hunting the way she hunted. She was just, you know, like, like her, her objective changed. Yeah. And once I saw that, I just, I split them um, and and work them that way. I still, I will hunt them together a little bit at the end of the day. Ren is really at the point of kind of honor hunts, you know, oh. getting the good, getting the good spots, um, yeah. getting a very short hunt. Uh, it's just too hard on her physically. Yeah. Um, so that's leaving her in the, leaving her in the car or even at home is, um, that is, so that is so hard it is and it's it's not guilt i tried to explain that or reflect that in the in the film it's not guilt it's grief Mm. um and it isn't it's nature so of course it isn't fair yeah but um yeah it's kind of fun to get them out together at the end of the day. It's, it's a screwball comedy at that point. <laughs> really, there's no, uh, you know, you just, I, I try to make sure it's the end of the day when Nixie's wore out and, and, um, yeah. and the three of us are just trying to get that last few minutes of light. Mm-hmm. Are you doing a lot of your hunting alone? Or like, what's your, and, and. It's a blend. And, and, and let me ask this too. And, you, you know, it, in as much as you even want to talk about this or it's been part of your experience because it hasn't been part of mine being a woman mm-hmm. as an adult onset hunter. I've had my own challenges as a guy trying mm-hmm. to find people. I didn't grow up in a hunting family, trying to find people to hunt with places to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not easy. It's there's like a steep learning curve. And a lot of people are like very guarded about yeah. where they hunt and who they hunt with and stuff like that. So What's been your experience of breaking into the hunting world? That, um, at, first of all, I think it's changed. Um, I, I really like, there are so many days when I hunt, I don't think there is a single time I hunt now where I don't open up the Onyx app and think, where was this? <laughs> In 2013, yeah. it has really, that has, that is a huge game changer. That is, yeah. Um, and it, I, that was for me as someone who isn't a landowner, trying to find a place was extremely difficult or understand there, there wasn't like a class in it. Um, I don't, modern carnivore wasn't av- around then, I don't think, or it was, it was in its early stages. Um, the, I hunt with, I have a few, I have a few groups and I have a few friends and I have a few hunts that are, 
for lack of a better term, sacred, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, there's one women's hunt where we have all agreed that we're not adding to it. And it's an opener, and we're not inviting media. Mm -hmm. And we're not, like, which sounds weird, but, like, and we don't cover it like influencers. That's our time. Yeah. That is truly our time. That is truly a vacation. And for some of the women who are in that group, they work in the con- in the conservation world. So we're kind of used to like, I don't know, for lack of a better <laughs> word, like we we kind of, um, I don't know, exploit our own selves mm-hmm. so that other women know that, yeah, you can hunt. Yeah, great. Yeah. I was in my mid-40s when I started. And you know what? It wasn't easy. And it's so much fun and it's what I do and it's part of who I am now. It's actually part of my identity now. Um, another hunts I'm a guest and I like to joke that there have been hunts where Ren was the guest and yes. I was her driver. I, I absolutely 100% know that there have been events where people were like, let's get that Ren dog here. And I was just the driver handler. Um, but um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's getting easier. Um, I'd like to encourage new hunters to to make the relationship with their dog. And some of some of my mm. best advice when I was starting out was literally, you know, like, yes, find a mentor, but also so go out and make your own mistakes and mm-hmm. and sort of bumble around and learn yeah. each other. Um, because they're your primary hunting companion. Yep. The the dog is the companion. The dog is the partner. And um, I think that's the best place to start. After that, create your own your own traditions. I mean, you don't have to come to my grouse camp to have a grouse camp of your own. Or we could go grouse hunting separately. You know, just as I I wouldn't invite myself on someone's family deer camp. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like there's. I know that it's touchy and social etiquette, but like, yeah, I. It's a mix though. I do I do love hunting alone. Um but I also really enjoy the people I hunt with. What's a what's a hunting alone day look like for you? Are you are you driving up to the north woods and finding a logging trail and going <laughs> after grouse? Or are you heading out west to hunt public land for pheasants or it really depends. This is gonna sound weird, but I really follow the weather. I might oh. I might want to hunt pheasants, but I'll look at the my weather app during hunting season has like seven, eight places that I like to go directions. I like to go. And then I watch. Um, okay. Because I really, I don't want to get stuck someplace by myself or, yeah. or that kind of thing. And, and um, yeah, I'll just, I'll go to where, where, where it suits. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, before this last year, didn't really matter what the weather said in terms of, I had to go when I had, when I could go, right? There's nothing more hardcore than going on an inopportune weekend, right? Like, yeah. Yep. Well, that's the weekend I have. Right. Right. I've done it. it yeah. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, this last year, it was definitely, you know, piling into the van, leaving before daybreak, hauling. It, it, 
which is hilarious. If you've ever driven a VW Panic and there's no hauling ass in that thing. Really? That's still know. what you drive? <laughs> no, I'm always joking. You know, like oh passing lanes on the left, folks. You know, life in the right lane. Um, you're, you're not, it's about as aerodynamic as the brick it's shaped after. <laughs> and um, you just like, but getting out there and, and um, getting into a field, a pheasant field, and, and letting Nixie work. And make mistakes. Yeah. You know, dogs learn something from every bird they they find. Yeah. Whether or not you bag that bird. So So you've gone freelance yes. this year, which means has that meant more hunting opportunities? One hundred and seventy five percent increase. Yeah, it yeah. has been it's um it's been nice, but I want to add that it's been necessary. Um I had uh, a huge personal loss last year. Um, my my mother died last year, and I need space and time. Mm-hmm. And some of that space is being outside, mm-hmm. and some of that time is the quiet, not the buzz of media, and the I I needed time in the inner world. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do. Yeah. I still do. It's an incredible loss. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the, the hunting has helped me through process my father's death. I, I'm still processing it almost six years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to not stop. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, well, now hunting season is wound down. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. still going back to South Dakota one more time because pheasant season's still open because <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm completely crazy about pheasants, but um, how, now what's the off season look like for you? Dog training. Yeah. You know, the dogs, the dogs don't take a vacation. The dogs don't understand the calendar. They, the dog is dog training. I'm, I'm actually, I'm enrolled in a gun dog uh, course at Twin Cities obedience training um in minneapolis uh i think they're one of the few like city-based training centers that offers a gun dog workshop Mm. um and so i'll do that and then our wednesday night training crew will start up in the spring you know when it works for for our uh our keystone on that the person who puts it together um and that it'll it'll look like that um and you know it's the usual stuff pheasant fest game fair yeah you know like all the things that sort of keep you involved in the community um i i still have there are people who want to go hunt that i sort of i don't want to say i owe a hunt to but yeah i kind of owe a hunt to they can definitely come out with me and the dogs yeah on a hike and they might see us find signs of grouse or you know doesn't mean the wmas are closed um i try not to pressure birds during really difficult times of the year right but still the reality is is that it's public land yeah it's there for it's there for us all and and the and the the coyotes don't the the season doesn't close on grouse for the coyotes (laughs) (laughs) or whatever no yeah i do i mean yeah i i've i feel that time of the year approaching and i'm just like god dang it i wish you could hunt turkeys with dogs (laughs) i mean people do in the fall i know there's turkey dogs and they you know bust up the 
packs and they fly blah 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 but it's different you know it's different and it's it's always so tough going up north to turkey hunt and then like putting my dog in the crate be like hey i'll be gone for the next six hours buddy <laughs> and i'll come back smelling like a bird maybe like, yeah <laughs> it's like what the hell i thought we did this together but yeah it's it's always a long um yeah it's always a long off season i think well, yeah, when you don't take your dog, you're leaving your buddy behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't leave your buddy behind. No, I take him everywhere. I yeah. take him everywhere. That That's for sure. Well, I really appreciate this. I think the film is beautiful. And what a legacy mm -hmm. for Ren, for you and Ren. Uh, it's amazing. <sighs> she, you know? she really is. I can't tell you. I really can't. Like, the film can show you, like, what a gift she is oh, and yeah. what and what a gift she she brought to me it did it did focus on my relationship with her like but when i think about her or or even when you were talking about your dog and, and your and your crew right our dogs aren't just ours right, right? yeah they're they're are, they're part of the family and they're yeah. our they're oh our God. friends we all have a friend who has a special relationship with our dog where we're just like i I, I, you guys have your thing, whatever your, whatever your thing is. Oh my you God. Have, I mean, right? every time my dog retrieves a cripple that mm -hmm. another guy shot mm -hmm. and their dog couldn't find, and frankly, having a retriever is kind of fun because a lot of pointers aren't that interested in the bird once it's been shot. You know, they're not yep. really hunt dead. They don't hunt dead. Like retrievers hunt dead. I mean, mm -hmm. he'd rather retrieve than flush, frankly. Yeah. Like that's his number one goal in life is to retrieve shit to me. <laughs> so when he finds a bird that some mm -hmm. other guy shot and then you see that like Crosby thank you yeah you know, oh my gosh Crosby's the hero today you just like oh my gosh my chest is gonna burst I'm so proud of this dog you know? it's it is a it's a it's a pleasure people don't understand yeah. like and or I think about I think about how many people I know who actually got their first bird over rent Mm, see like, like that, that, like that I, that is every once in a while i think about that and i'm like man she didn't just recruit me yeah she changed other people on a on a level that there aren't words for that yeah. there there isn't there isn't describing that and um and it's you know i do have people contact me you know my friends contact me they'll how are you doing? Da, 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 da. You know, we talked for a little while and how's Ren? You know, like, and I'm thinking if you guys can call me and just ask me how Ren's doing, <laughs> it's okay. It's absolutely yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm happy to yeah. be Ren's mom. Yeah. That's fine. Well, that's awesome. That's, I really appreciate you sharing your story with Frankie and now, now on the podcast here. So. Well, I hope it brings other people's stories to light as well. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's, sure. you know, don't be shy to, don't be shy to tell the world how much you love your dog. There you go. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.